0: Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 92 for Monday, June 8th, 2020. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my good friend Johnny, but you may likely know him online as Pixel Riffs.
1: Hello, sir. Hello! These days I'm going by Barefist Steve occasionally <laughs> as well, uh, but... More on that story later. In the meantime, we have been having a rousing discussion about food, about health, about Dungeons and Dragons, all kinds of stuff in the Render Distance, which is the pre-show version of The Spawn Chunks. You can find that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks, and our Discord chat is currently listening in because we are once again above the milestone goal we set on Patreon for doing the show live in Discord, so hello to everybody who is uh, hanging out in the chat. It is good to see you guys again.
0: I really like doing the show live. It's been a long time since I've done live podcasting and it's, it's a lot of fun. So hopefully, folks, if you're listening and you have a chance to pop in Monday mornings for me, Monday afternoons for people in the UK, then uh, please do. It's a lot of fun. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week, man?
1: Well, uh, Minecraft Dungeons is still very much occupying my time. Uh, BareFist Steve is now level 51. Um, And I I came across a really great way of leveling up. People may have found in one of the levels of Minecraft Dungeons that there are actually mob spawners in this game that will continuously spawn zombies at you. Uh, And I discovered... A piece of armor that if you apply the third level burning enchantment on it which gives you an an aura of burning around you on a low enough difficulty you can just camp between as many of these spawners as possible and the zombies will just walk up to you and die and so i <laughs> i've actually been i've been farming mobs from spawners in minecraft dungeons which is a lot uh, <laughs> but, but it worked pretty well um I have discovered that the power level cap for gear in the default difficulty of Minecraft dungeons is 38. You normally get stuff that's between 30 and 37, and I was actually working on the um, the, the power level stuff because at first, because I wasn't wearing all of my most powerful gear because I dequip and sell all of the melee weapons and bows instantly. I wasn't getting anything better from the blacksmith and i thought oh no like i've kind of you know screwed myself over here i'm not going to be able to get the uh the higher level armor and stuff that i'm going to be able to use later on and my whole strategy now is hinging on having a higher hp when i get to the final boss but i realized why everyone's been raving about just using the gear with higher power levels regardless of enchantments and it's because if you return to camp with your highest level gear equipped that's what causes the wandering trader and the blacksmith to trade you better equipment so what i've been doing is getting weapons and artifacts from them equipping all of the highest level stuff going to another level and then returning to camp immediately with my power level as high as it can be and then they will trade me higher level stuff so that's how i've been able to work my way up the ranks and getting more effective armor than the mage robe i had that was giving me like an additional 20 health points i now have stuff that will give me like 260 or more uh which is enough to tank my way through some of the other levels now unfortunately i can't get any higher than stuff that is power level 38 so the no weapons run is now going to have to rely more on strategy than just out hp'ing the boss uh so So why are you
0: restricted to level 38
1: Uh, Because uh, that's the kind of the higher level of the loot that you will get from the levels uh, when you're playing through a stage in that difficulty. Like if you're playing on difficulty level six on default, the highest level of anything you can acquire as you're going through the stages and fighting enemies and stuff is level 38. And Uh. that's probably just to stop the power creep thing of like being able to way over level it and still allowing it to be something of a challenge. however i of course have the additional challenge of trying to punch everything um and and like allowing disallowing certain artifacts and, and weapons and that kind of thing so yeah the plan now is just to try and get some more unique armor because the each of the unique sets of armor has a native ability that's basically an enchant you get for free uh so the mage robe has burning on it um the a couple of them have like you know a chance to negate damage or like an extra damage decrease. Uh, or something like that which is going to be helpful on top of whatever enchants I can apply to them um so that's taking a little while but I've been been working on that in the background um how have you been getting with minecraft dungeons because I know you streamed it at least once more since we last spoke uh twice i think yes twice mm-hmm. um i
0: quite like it i i kind of been uh, doing like a tuesday thursday morning kind of early morning thing like can hit a different time zones so people can tune in in different countries and like and i can do a two-hour stream from 8 to 10 a.m and it really doesn't affect my day like i you Mm -hmm. know i can i can still do some work after that uh and it's it's fun because it's it's an engaging game to kind of get your brain rolling if you're feeling a little bit groggy that day uh i have still not beaten the first difficulty level and it's because the boss fight happened at the end of my last dungeon stream and there was a couple of bugs so uh spoiler warning for people that have not had this boss fight just cover your ears but um, when you're fighting the arch illager at the top of his tower there's a lot of these piston um trampoline things that bop you from one yeah, platform yeah like ba- to the next. bounce pads yeah yeah and so coming back from one of them i ended up landing on top of one of the walls like the actual minecraft walls as we all know them oh, and i could right. and i couldn't and i couldn't move off of it I, mm-hmm. I tried to jump. I tried to just like, oh, crap, that was really close. And I thought, Whew, you know, z- caught my toenails on the edge of this platform and decided not to fall off the edge. But then I couldn't move from where I was there. I was just Yeah, you stuck.
1: can't even like roll off of it. That's a, it's yeah. annoying that. I think they yeah. they are meant as barriers so that like none of your kind of flippy abilities and stuff can get past them. But there seems to be yep. like some collision issues where you just don't get off it, it after that. Yeah,
0: if you land on top of it. Um, and then, and I had died... I can't remember where i died i think i had died once before um i think i might have been pushed off. oh i had been pushed off the edge i think in one of the fights with a bunch of dudes yeah um but then uh i kept on dying in the arch illager fight um a couple uh, one, or, one or two deaths was legit just like it was just you know getting used to mechanics and things like that mm-hmm. Uh, but then, uh, again, spoiler warning, he flips into the Dark Enderman, whatever the heck he is. I didn't see it very long because uh, I had actually done very well. I had healed up. Uh, I was ready for, I thought I had won. Um, didn't really anticipate there to be another um, phase to it, but then saw it happen. Like, it was a big animation. It was fine. Uh, but then I got one-shotted. I was full health, full everything, and just flicked and done. Yeah. And that was my last life. And it was the end of my stream, and I thought, well, that's it. I'm done. I And and I haven't had the desire to come back to it. uh, Because of the bugs and because of one-hit boss fights, which has happened more than once to me in my playthrough for Dungeons, some people can call it challenging to each their own. I'm not going to say that it's not. Uh, I don't find it fun as a player, regardless. Yes. I, yeah. I, uh, it happened with the um Necromancer the first time I, I played it yeah now the second time i played the necromancer it was harder i put it on a harder difficulty level i had leveled up a little bit but i still kind of went in there with a challenge but knowing that the one shot could happen i was able to defeat him and avoid the, the one shot type thing but there was a thing with the with the necromancer where like he switched to a different mechanic and everybody appeared and then they all shot me at once and i had no like it was just it was over before i could even react it wasn't even a oh i should have dodged that or i could have done something there it was like a nope you couldn't you couldn't do it Mm -hmm. um i do however enjoy uh the strategy that i had to employ to defeat the arch illager uh and i don't remember the name of the artifact it's some sort of totem and it absorbs projectile attacks
1: yeah there's a there's a totem of regeneration there's a totem of shielding
0: shielding so totem of shielding so i so what i was doing because i was using uh to to end this on a positive note my glaive with max level echo is ridiculous yeah like it is (laughs) so fun and even though it's not a max level damage weapon because i've i have a claymore that's got like 140 damage or something crazy but Mm -hmm. this is a max level 93 but because it has these extra swings that do full damage at you know 93 i get an extra three swings every three seconds so it's awesome because you just you you do more damage over time because of the, the the enchantment and because of the reach all i had to do was get close enough to the arch illager that i could reach him with the glaive the shielding down the shielding totem down he couldn't do anything and i could literally just stand there and wail on him yeah Uh, and that was the only way i had two of my deaths where i didn't take a single stitch off of his health yeah because you just spend so much time running around and avoiding the reams of enemies that he brings in with crossbows i also had either no arrows or or very little arrows in that fight so yeah so there was some problems there and i and i talked to the chat we came up with some cool strategies i think i can go in there a lot better prepared but i just it was a long level and i just have not have not been in the mood to get in there really prepared and really take care of the illager only to die quite quickly to whatever the second phase is yeah so so yeah i haven't really figured that out yet um yeah how so, did you um, find? How did you find the platforming? How did you find the platforming in that last level? Uh, I thought it was cool at first, but I didn't like it in the boss fight.
1: Yeah, uh, in the boss fight, I think it's just a way to keep you maneuverable. And my my problem with this boss fight, and it's really not. I, I didn't have a huge problem fighting it like the first time through, but that was because I had built my character with good ranged weapons and faster movement speed. And the problem mm. with this boss overall, I think, is a problem with um some boss fights in game design in general i am of the belief of of the kind of school of thinking that basically the entire game should be a tutorial for how to take down the final boss so like you need to apply a lot of the stuff you have learned through the course of the game in order to defeat whatever the final enemy of the game is and this is true of like a variety of games not just like dungeon crawler style things like this but The problem I have with the final boss fight is the game has been teaching you there are a bunch of different ways you can play. You can have a melee style, you can tank stuff, you can go slow, you can go fast, you can favour magic artefacts and stuff like that. But the final boss fight favours so heavily ranged weapons and a faster movement speed that if you go in without a good bow or you're out of arrows and you don't have some sort of speed artifact to dodge the lasers that ended up one-shotting you, you're immediately at a very heavy disadvantage. Mm -hmm. and the problem with that is the game has not communicated these mechanics to you ahead of time or maybe it has but in very brief subtle ways like you know the fact that the enemy has like a burning trail that he leaves behind him if you haven't encountered enchanted enemies with that burning trail then you're not going to be able to understand that mechanic well enough to know how to avoid it and obviously there is some uh, value in kind of the the surprise of this enemy being like nothing you've ever encountered before but at the same time if the game hasn't primed you for that encounter it's going to be a, a more negative experience for you because you're going to like i don't know if i have anything that can deal with this yeah um, yeah, so yeah. It's a well,
0: lot. i thought about that about the lasers that happened to me at the, at the last minute. There. I it's like well how i don't i can't jump <laughs> like all yeah. i have is these platforms like oh, i'm not exactly sure how to avoid these things yeah so yeah you, there's go, stuff, you gotta stuff like
1: you, that. you gotta dodge roll you gotta run around try and stay in the gaps between the yeah. lasers and stuff but if it's your first time seeing it you have no way of anticipating it um and so yeah you, if if, you, if you're down to like your last life and you haven't really got a way to retaliate then then you're done i have now got to the stage where i've reached the final boss with my no weapons character with barefoot wow. steve uh, i made my way through that entire level uh basically air mobs off of platforms yep. <laughs> which was great um it, it was super fun and the stream got behind me and we had a really good time i could not lay a finger on him at that point once i got there because he spawns in a bunch of ranged enemies and has ranged attacks and my whole strategy there is get in and do melee damage which is nigh impossible to do which yeah. is why i'm now trying to find armor that will allow me to like take more damage have more health negate hits sometimes and then work on enchantments that will help out yeah. in that fight there's an
0: enchantment um, that you can get that will return damage received to the sender yeah it's thorns remember. isn't it it's Th- is like it thorns i think so yeah, yeah
1: yeah so so there's there's a few strategies i can try as long as i've got a decent i'm looking at like an iron man style closet of like all of the different (laughs) armor in the game that's available in default difficulty to try and beat that guy without weapons but it's it's a silly challenge still but it's it's a lot of fun and we had so much fun getting there Uh, i have still been able to play some minecraft this week what about you have you been playing some uh, some of the core minecraft
0: yeah actually i went back to uh southport the city build on the citadel and Mm -hmm. uh big stream this weekend did a a short stream friday night just to kind of relax uh ended up uh, ending on an unrelaxing note where i died like five or six times exploring a double ravine double mine shaft uh and uh was reminded that yes the game is still pretty hard when you wear iron armor Uh, creepers raining down from above you don't really have much of a choice
1: (laughs) dude Um, that that happened to me too i was working some more on the foundation of my jungle temple and putting floors in where i want the various levels to be and a creeper dropped on me out of nowhere and i'm i wear diamond with elytra so no chest plate but i i wear diamond i have full protection and the thing still just exploded and got me i don't think i even had like any health down i was like you can't do anything when they just drop on you and you can't react fast enough
0: i was even standing in water and yeah. it still it still nailed me and i i the the biggest loss was four shulker boxes now they weren't they weren't really full of anything i didn't already have like it wasn't like a huge item loss it was more like the actual shulker boxes themselves like ah oh, darn it <laughs> like, yeah i just found those sp- four spare shulker boxes i kind of wanted to keep them um but uh that was just kind of like a fun way to to end the the stream because we had been doing a bunch of grindy stuff that 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 day um however the next day i spent a, a longer stream um re-enchanting a bunch of things um i didn't get my shulker boxes back but i had to re- i had to get my armor back my boots and things like sure, that Sure, yeah and then i moved on to add a finally just like sorted out a new palette for this building uh, you might recall me mentioning a few weeks ago that we had this new building downtown in southport that reminded me of ikea because i was sold on this big blue key design element but i couldn't figure out a color for the building that wasn't white Mm -hmm. because i already did a white building and so i tried sandstone but immediately it just looked like an ikea yeah (laughs) so so we moved and actually we've i've done uh two colors so i've got like another key wall that's made of clay and then dark gray concrete is the is the rest of the building so it it really has like this interesting kind of like dark gray light gray and then navy blue nautical type thing going on Mm -hmm. and we've got blue glass so we designed the foyer we um we just worked a bunch of elevator stuff. And I actually, I have, because of the layout of the building, I have more room inside, which is nice. Uh, I might even be able to put like a mob farm or some other kind of utilitarian thing on the inside of it. But it just felt really good to break through that, you know, artist block barrier of like, what block am I going to use for this stupid building <laughs> that I really mm-hmm. like? But I was, it's, it's, the, it's the first building on a block downtown next to the waterfront. So you kind of want it to look cool, you know? um and um i think one of my favorite features is that i put the door the front door on an angle so it's a 45 degree angle on the corner nice and yeah so it was challenging like so it's got like a glass facade there's like a painting on the wall inside and all this kind of stuff it, it's it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun to work on um during the the weekend though i did really feel the inventory pinch of having all of my shulker boxes out on the sidewalk and then grabbing all these different materials as i'm trying cyan terracotta and blue glass or white glass and clay versus quartz and like all these different things and like so many times i'd be going to my shulker boxes and like i just i can't i've got stuff everywhere what how is my inventory full again and um when you're doing creative stuff like that on the fly in survival i find that you just you end up with like why do i have four blocks of you know coal in my inventory i don't know why you know so stuff like that was was a little bit frustrating but overall it was a really cool chill weekend just creatively punching at this building and um remind remembering how long it takes to build things that that are this size but once you establish a pattern you decide okay we've got a balcony design you can really get a lot done in a couple hours on a stream just repeating stuff so it was fun it was a really good time
1: I've been having a similar experience doing some casual building at Founders Forge for once. Um, I Every time I go back there, I look at all of the empty footprints that I planned out for houses in the town and I go, yeah, maybe I should build those one of these days, but I've got other stuff to worry about. Back to the jungle temple or the mountain biome or whatever. Uh, but now, yeah, I'm I'm doing a little bit of casual building on, on streams because all of my episodes and stuff are going into you know uh the the 303 questions episode i've got coming up there's a lot more logistics and behind the scenes stuff that i can't really do on stream so uh i've been building a few more medieval fantasy style houses it's a nice change of pace i've been taking uh tips from a friend of the show gemini tay and putting gradients into my roofs and uh ended up building one that was a gradient from uh i think like dark green terracotta through dark prismarine to regular prismarine bricks and that's a really cool combo um and that's kind of a transition between the old town section which is in the swamp and the newer town that's all on land around this ravine so i feel like there are a few sort of architectural transitions loosely speaking uh now but i am i'm looking forward to trying out blackstone roofs now that the nether update seems imminent because yeah i i I think there are a couple of those roofs which maybe if i started incorporating a few blackstone brick blocks into and stuff like that they could they could look very different and a little bit more that industrial grimy town feel that i'm looking for but uh yeah we will we will see we'll see how that works but i i'm like you i've i found my inventory getting a little bit clogged with useless stuff when i've been working on color palettes for these houses and figuring out what goes where and what detail blocks I can add as soon as you start breaking down that one stack of logs into every wooden component you can possibly think of to try and add detail to the outside of a build suddenly you realize that half your inventory is taken up by spruce things and you go oh okay I should empty this into a chest somewhere and then the chest just stays there indefinitely because you don't want to take it all back to your storage room so So it is it's a hassle
0: and that's why I was missing these Shulker boxes that I had spare in my inventory because <laughs> right? yeah. th- because that was the idea. I would put them down. I called them like Joel's City Backpack or something. And basically, all mm-hmm. it was was I just I would just open them up and anything in my inventory that I did not need immediately would just get thrown in this thing. And then I would sort it out later after the stream back in the storage system, you know. And and that's that's one of the things I think is is missing right now is like you just don't have this spare space for that kind of stuff and someone commented like Joel, oh, you're so, work, so organized because I you know all my shelter boxes are color-coded and they were all lined up on the sidewalk and I mean I'm a little bit you know overly organized in that way but you kind of have to be you know when you're working on big things that require detail like when you're into the fine-tuning of things especially if you're to the point where you have to experiment with like well does this color glass look good or this color glass you know does this spruce you know, is it a spruce fence or spruce fence gate? Like, what do I want to use here? And you have to have all of these different things, and uh, and yeah, it becomes a little bit tricky. But moving on into the news for this week, we are now in the land of pre-release Minecraft hey! Java. Hey, <laughs> Minecraft Java Edition 1.16 pre-release one and pre-release two have been, uh, I guess, released to repeat myself the uh full notes will be at minecraft.net we'll have a link in our show notes to that post uh, however we're going to abbreviate some of the more interesting things here going forward you should see mostly bugs being fixed additionally pre-releases don't necessarily tend to be on mojang's usual cadence of releasing on wednesdays so keep on eye out for various times during the week where you might see new pre-releases small edit mojang has released 1.16 pre-release 2 fixing some crashes note that worlds open in 1.16 pre-release 1 are corrupt and will not work in any way in 1.16 pre-release 2 so note for all you people running pre-release yes and, R- you know, r.i.p snapshot
1: worlds yeah
0: yeah uh restore an older backup or create a new brand new world to play in the pre-release. Uh, new features in one pre pre-release 1, are added new fabulous graphic options that uses per-pixel blending layers for some transparent elements. I have yet to see this in action. It sounds cool, but I, I didn't really see what it was uh, really about. Changes in one pre pre-release 1, you can now milk cows and mushrooms and get stew for mushrooms in creative mode. When you use an empty bucket on water in creative mode, you now get a bucket of water. And if you have a bucket of water in your inventory already, no additional water buckets will be added when you use the empty bucket on water. When any villager is struck by lightning, the witch it is converted into will no longer despawn. Added game rule forgive dead players, enabled by default, which makes angered neutral mobs stop being angry when they are targeted player when the targeted player dies nearby. And added game rule universal anger, disabled by default which means angered neutral mobs attack any nearby player, not just the player that angered them. Works best if you disable forgive dev players. Technical changes in 1.16 pre-release 1. Smithing recipes can now be added or changed through data packs. Minecraft will now detect critical data pack issues like missing required tags and prevent the world from being loaded. World generation customization can now be added in data packs. Data pack selection. Uh, data packs can now be selected for use in world before the world is created, and copying a world in options will also copy the data packs present in the source world. Data pack selection screen changes, including data packs, can now be dropped directly onto the data pack and resource pack screen names. Uh, dropping files and directories into the selection screens will result in those files being copied to the appropriate file locations within Minecraft game directories. Data packs can now contain dimension underscore type and dimension folders uh, with world generation and dimension settings. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Fixed bugs, there are a lot. For the full list, go to Minecraft.net, we'll have again the link in the show notes. But a few of the ones that I thought were worth pointing out were when a mob hits a zombified piglin and that mob dies, the zombified piglin attacks you. That will no longer happen. Waterlog blocks causing Z-fighting when looking at them from a distance. Yay for builders, because that's a big problem. Piglins don't automatically attack wither skeletons. And the full bug list again will be on minecraft.net. So uh, I kind of want to dive into something that I didn't realize until just this morning of how significant it actually is. The data pack dimensions. So from what I understand, you can now create new dimensions, custom dimensions with data packs
1: yes um, basically anything that you could do with world customization settings so previously we had like buffet worlds where you could choose a biome choose a world generation type and it would generate you like floating islands in the sky but in the form of a desert or a river biome or something like that you can now code those as data packs and have them be dimensions which using commands or command blocks you can transport players to in your world so multiverse confirmed um this is really awesome so you effectively like imagine here's an example of how multiplayer servers could use this you could create a mining dimension if you want to so generate a world with i don't know like either a completely normal vanilla landscape or it could be all stone and there could be layers of materials in there specified by your custom world generator settings and players could teleport there to do all of their mining so that they don't mess up the overworld if you have a big build project planned likewise if you have certain settings for certain dimensions you could even have a separate dimension people could warp to on your multiplayer server and once you are there your world your your game type immediately sets to creative so you can have an in survival server creative world without needing to use um plugins like bungee cord which would effectively transfer you to a completely separate server i don't know how taxing this is going to be on server performance given that having players in the overworld the nether and the end is already kind of taxing on multiplayer servers because it's loading three different dimensions at once but this Mm. is really exciting stuff um to use Mojang's example, I found this, by the way, in Azumavoid's video, and if anyone hasn't seen Azuma's video on this snapshot, it breaks down a lot of the stuff we've talked about in the show notes to the extent where I understand them, uh, <laughs> which is is, is pretty, pretty layman's terms. Um, they had an example in pre-release 1 where you could go to a dimension where it looked exactly like a regular minecraft world, but in the overworld the skylight was turned off. It was automatically set to zero so that mobs would spawn freely during the daytime, effectively making it like round-the-clock mob spawning. And yeah obviously this is going to require some heavy manipulation of what we think of as vanilla or default worlds in order to do something like this, but this can add so much variety to servers if it's done right i really
0: like the idea of like
1: a mining dimension
0: because uh, i've seen that with the bungee plugin you know yeah uh, people that have huge communities with tons and tons of players that want to play on these on these uh, multiplayer servers that they have as part of their patreon or whatever uh, it solves the issue of stepping on people's toes right yeah. you know, like you just hey this mining dimension is the mining server is reset once a month just go in there and destroy it however you want it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because uh, the only thing you're doing is just you know we're still in survival you're mining this world and then you're just going to be playing placing the blocks somewhere else I don't know how they get those blocks from one server to the other uh that might be part of the plugin that I just don't understand because I've never used it but um but yeah like that that having that within dimensions would be really really neat um we're already kind of like using command blocks and stuff to move around on the Citadel with the fast travel and and things like that and so having a a portal and to be honest like me it's just going to give you another excuse to make something cool right you know like yeah. maybe maybe you make an airship and when you get on that airship and press the button that's the command block that takes you to this new dimension i mean like the, it just gives you so much ex- excuse to work this into the lore of your world and create some really cool stuff but i just i think it's really cool that moyang is even just doing it
1: yeah implementing this kind of stuff in the first place i remember back when i was playing sky factory 3 there is a mod in that somewhere which if you can power it with enough resources i think you have to have like an absurd amount of energy from like draconic evolution reactors or whatever the kind of end game energy production mods are you can power this device which can send you to a dimension where you specify the materials it's made out of like if you want to create an entire world that's just made out of diamond blocks then you can you know uh once you sort of become all powerful at the end of the progression of skyblock and so there is um yeah, there is scope for stuff like that to be done in vanilla now, which is wild to me. Like, it's it's very exciting. And it will remain, it'll be interesting to see what, like, large multiplayer servers and, and content creators can do with stuff like this. But for the average server experience, it is potentially going to take things up a notch. Looking at the rest of this change log, um, a lot of the changes are now just so, like, they're minor. But they, they're obviously significant in a way, but they are not, like, full features being added, of course but the creative stuff seems good like i've always struggled messing around with placing water when i'm testing out farms in uh in creative mode uh, because yeah buckets of water are separate from empty buckets and that that whole thing um the way azuma demonstrated it was very very clear it like it, it it's obvious now that you know when you get a bucket of water using an empty bucket it actually generates one in your hotbar if you're not carrying one then it creates one for you if you're already carrying one it's not going to flood your inventory with water buckets if you just collect a lot of it at once you know it all makes a lot of sense and um the other thing is that that game rule for forgiving dead players and uh universal anger basically seems to be either enderman or pigmen i think are the big ones for neutral mobs that are going to stay mad at a player potentially Uh, I never really encountered much problem with that, but I'm playing on single player. And I know for a while, back in 1.14, there were issues where the pigmen were just constantly angry at players, like the aggro would renew and would stay even when the players left dimensions, died, transported elsewhere, went further away in the nether, that kind of thing. And so I think it it is good that players now have more control over that through game rules. I'm really hoping that now we're seeing additional game rules being added. I'm hoping that potentially... This might even lead to them breaking down stuff like mob griefing even further because that would really be a nice way of separating Enderman griefing from creeper griefing, from passive mob griefing, from yeah. sheep and villagers and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, if, if, they're, if they're keen on using game rules to toggle stuff like this, then I think they should give that a look personally. But that's, that's just on my wish list in general.
0: Yeah, and I think it just makes the game more accessible to people that just want to play in survival with all the, the challenges and fun, rewarding experience that that entails. But then if they just don't like combat or if they find piglin, pigmen and piglins in general problematic, then I think it'll be be better. Uh, speaking of piglins, um, I noticed that piglins will now attack wither skeletons, which they did not before. And it kind of has me thinking, uh, I don't think it'll be me, but I, I you know the, the technical players out there that want to find a new way to kill wither skeletons now that we know we can use wither roses as a filter to make sure that only wither skeletons spawn in a certain area if you can get that to happen near where you can funnel or or get um piglins to spawn uh they're gonna have crossbows now eventually those crossbows i guess will run out um but if if you can get it to the point where the piglins are not within range of the wither skeletons like you could have a way of killing the withers um i don't I guess you'd have to use the player to kill him in order to get skulls, but I don't know. Yeah, it's- I
1: think I think skulls are the only thing from a wither skeletons loot table that is player kill only so i think if you mm. want bones and you want coal then that's that's a coal farm right there
0: sure right i mean i just, and also just you know from from a gameplay perspective just a fun thing to set up and watch right
1: <laughs> it's yeah like a, no totally be like
0: a wither skeleton's shooting gallery you know if you if you died enough to wither skeletons in an early game this might be very enjoyable for you yeah there's, you a, <laughs> there's a certain amount of catharsis you can get there for sure definitely yeah yes yeah. yes
1: definitely but uh, yeah no it's all looking good and aside from i think the the reason that pre-release 2 came out so fast was because pre-release 1 for whatever reason seemed to block access to the nether and the end like you couldn't right. because they just implemented these custom dimensions i think there was some wires crossed somewhere that meant you couldn't go to the nether at all uh and yeah that that was unfortunate and it's a shame that it, it led to if anybody updated their worlds to pre-release one right away then potentially corrupting those but hopefully people have been sensible throughout all of this and made backups and you know were um not gonna jump straight into the pre-releases right away um but ultimately yeah it's the 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 joke was um you know mojang is updating the nether and then the update just removes it entirely um but yeah i I think it's it's looking good i am very very hopeful that we're going to get another update in the next couple of weeks like 116 Mm. should hopefully be on its way and we we have no way of guaranteeing that of course and we want it to be done you know like we 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 want to make sure that everything is done right but uh yeah hopeful that we should end up with uh nether update coming sometime before the end of this month
0: that's one of the reasons why i was happy about having that refreshed uh uh inspiration in southport in the city on the citadel because i was like i was kind of running out of stuff to do <laughs> mm-hmm. you know like kind of thinking like ah that's not super inspired but now that i have a project that might carry me for a couple of weekends i'm hoping that it'll be just about done by the time 116 comes out you know crossing crossing my fingers well moving on into chunk mail where we get a uh, listener email sent into the show quick note before johnny reads the email this week and that is we have been getting quite a bit of technical support questions in the spawn chunks inbox and i just want to gently remind people that we are an editorial and opinion podcast we're not tech support so uh please don't email the show and ask you know us about technical issues and technical problems you're having with the game because we're not qualified to answer and really If you get a response at all, we're just going to point you towards help.minecraft.net or to consult your Minecraft community, uh, including ours. Like, I mean, if you've got questions about stuff, our Discord might be a very good place to start if you're part of that there. Uh, If you are dealing with an issue with Minecraft not working correctly, you should probably submit a bug on the Jira, which is at bugs.mojang.com. Uh, but again, I just want to reiterate that, like, really, if you want to get our attention or even get your email on the show, writing a technical, you know, support email is is not going to get you there. So um, please just send those to the right locations. What's up in the inbox this week, Johnny? Uh,
1: in the inbox this week, we have this email from Kokodaki, who is one of our community minor patrons. Thank you so much for the email. And this is regarding gripes and praise of Minecraft Dungeons. Says hey y'all it's Kokorodaki from the discord server just finished listening to episode 91 of Minecraft Dungeons and thought it was awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, I too have been playing a lot of dungeons. I finished the main story yesterday and got started on adventure difficulty and I wanted to write in with something I don't like and I think could be done better and something I love that I haven't really heard people talk about. As you guys said, the weapons and armor and potential synergy with enchantments and other gear is incredible. My main frustration with that though is I found some amazing weapons that I love playing with, but quickly got weapons that were higher power. One of these is a unique axe called a firebrand which has innate fire aspect, and mine came with poison cloud and freezing. The freezing means enemies don't move much when I start hitting them, and the fire aspect and poison cloud mean I'm doing a ton of damage to mobs, particularly the area damage with poison cloud. The thing works so darn well against groups of enemies and tanky enemies, However, because I've outgrown the weapon, it means it's not so useful anymore, and those invested enchantment points are kind of going to waste. But because the weapon is so good, and I may never get a combination like that again, I want to keep it. So I have two ideas for how Mojang could allow players to work around that. The first is allowing players to sacrifice a higher level item of the same slot type to increase the power of the lower weapon. For example my firebrand is power 41, I have a pickaxe that's power 47. With a feature like this I could take my power 41 firebrand and increase it to power 47 by sacrificing my power 47 pickaxe, probably for some sort of cost. Another possible solution is simply the ability to strip the enchantment points from an item without destroying the item. That means I could reinvest those enchantment points back into the item at a later time if I want to use it again, and I could invest those enchantment points into whatever my best gear is at the time. Now, I want to gush a little bit about endermen, because I haven't seen anyone talk about them and I think they're awesome. A single enderman in Minecraft is a big deal if you're not cheesing it, at least early in the game, And I love how that's been translated into Minecraft Dungeons, An Enderman in Minecraft Dungeons feels like a mini-boss. I've fought a bunch so far and each one is a challenge that leaves me with at least one or two of my healing abilities used and my health still very low, or perhaps even a death. And I think that captures very well what it feels like fighting Enderman in Minecraft. And if there are other mobs around, good luck! I'm very curious to see if there are enchanted Enderman too. Love the show, guys. Always looking forward to the next episode. Thank you for that email and and uh, yeah, a lot to discuss there, I think.
0: Yeah, I'm going to start with the Enderman because I agree. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I've died to one. I might have the very, very first time. But once I realized that unlike Minecraft, in Minecraft Dungeons, you can shoot Enderman with projectiles. <laughs>
1: they don't they don't just blip
0: away uh so i was able to do a little bit more the second time around however i really enjoyed the music shift and the screen pixelation that they do the static that they uh interfere your gameplay with and uh and it did it did feel like a mini boss and a mini boss that can blip away and come at you from any angle while you're trying to deal with other mobs yeah it's challenging i don't find Mm -hmm. a single enderman that bad uh i think the enderman that i found really challenging were the ones in the desert temple because there was very often those skeleton warriors with the glaives around as well and so then they've got range and he's blipping all over the place it's like oh my gosh like I, i found it i found it quite fun uh in in like a good challenge kind of way um the um the thing that i think they do so well with those mini boss encounters in dungeons is just they make them feel special even when it's not like the end boss you know yeah. like i st- i find evokers really hard to deal with you know it de- <laughs> they, on, they in are. close quarters that's rough you know yeah. like you have to have the right kind of uh armor and if you don't have an evade you know like if you can't roll for example uh in later levels i'm using some really heavy armor and it slows down the um cooldown of your dodge roll that's hard yeah with an evoker when you can't roll whenever you want it's hard
1: yes and they there are a few other enemies that turn up as like almost end game bosses but then become mini bosses later like you have the evoker at the end of pumpkin pastures there are a couple of smaller evoker encounters that lead up to that but then the boss one has like a bigger health bar and several waves of enemies that spawn with it whereas I think Enderman never show up as a boss fight, but then Redstone Golems are the other thing with like the, the mini-boss-style health bar at the top of the screen uh, mm-hmm. that will show up mid-level in some of the later levels. And yeah, there's there's a lot to be said for those encounters. They definitely add a scale to the game where normally you're just hacking and slashing your way through crowds of enemies and then you encounter one of those and you really have to slow down the pace of the game. And it kind of changes the the whole thing up a bit, which is, which is great. So yeah, I agree with everything that's been said here i do think endermen are well implemented the fact that they teleport around after you've hit them a couple of times is is pretty pretty good and and characteristic of the way we know endermen interacts with the player in minecraft anyway the only problem is you can't not look at them because as soon as you <laughs> as soon as you enter the radius of an enderman regardless of which way you're facing you are going to fight the thing but that's yeah. the nature of minecraft dungeons really it's not not something that i feel like really needs addressing in that way
0: yeah for sure I think the sacrifice of losing a weapon to get its enchantment points back is a good game mechanic. Uh, If I could just always swap things around without that loss, I don't think I would have to think as hard or adjust other things in my inventory like artifacts when I end up using a different main weapon. does like it does create a nice little mini game for me in the gear aspect of minecraft dungeons to be like well i want these enchantment points back because i want to enchant this new weapon i got but that means i'm going to have to sacrifice uh, i had a glaive the first glaive i have didn't have echo on it it had um weakness and mm-hmm. it was really helpful for me lasting through fights longer but I had to eventually get rid of it because I I got a better glaive and I and I had I had to say goodbye. <laughs> you know, like yep. it's, I'm kind of glad I don't get to name my weapons in Minecraft Dungeons because it would have been a heartfelt goodbye to, mm-hmm. to to the trusted glaive that lasted me through at least a couple of levels, um, like a couple of of um, the the in-game levels, not like player levels. Um, I do, however, like the idea of sacrificing a higher level weapon to increase the power of a lower level weapon. I don't have an answer on the actual cost or the balancing on the surface of that, but I think to me, it does make sense. I do think it would have to be something equal to um, the, the weapon that you want to give the points to. Like, I think instead of giving you free points back to use wherever you want, I think you'd have to have some sort of interface where you put the weapon you want to destroy, the weapon you want to enchant, and have those points be tied to that weapon. Um, and I think you'd have to be able to sacrifice or be forced to sacrifice something that would also have the same number of enchantment slots. So that would keep people from like just taking a high-level common pickaxe that's just got a decent attack, but it's got no other real attributes to it that are worth saving, sacrificing that, and then augmenting some really fancy axe or glaive or sword or something. Um, So I I think there would be some balance to that. I don't think you're going to see the ability to get your enchantment point back without sacrificing the weapon. I think that's a pretty solid built-in mechanic they'll probably stick with.
1: Yeah, and there are precedents set by core Minecraft for stuff that they could include in Minecraft dungeons, right? You've got anvils, you've got grindstones, there are various mm. ways of disenchanting or re-enchanting things and repairing stuff to kind of put it back together and combine enchantments and that kind of stuff the thing that is missing from minecraft dungeons that i don't think they should add from regular minecraft is weapon durability and i think that's why they have this like sacrifice salvaging weapons to kind of trade up in terms of power that's why that exists is because the alternative i think is having weapons break And anybody who has played Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild knows that that kind of sucks uh, because the way Breath of the Wild works, basically you're finding weapons constantly throughout your adventure and there are only one or two weapons, it's like the Master Sword and the Hylian Shield, the kind of iconic Zelda weapons everything else you use it enough it starts to break and then finally it breaks often at a crucial moment like you're fighting something super powerful you just shatter your sword over this thing's head and suddenly you've got to worry about switching weapons Mm. so like you get really attached to weapons like that and then they become really useful for certain situations but then you learn about the economy of them and how to better prepare for other encounters With Minecraft Dungeons, with it being kind of a hack and slash your way through everything, I don't think weapon durability is a mechanic that makes any sense because it would kind of ruin some of the fun that you're having just blowing your way through some of these levels with a super powerful weapon. But then you have to have something to balance out the nature of it being, you know, Minecraft as a survival game initially having, you know, weapon durability be a factor. So I I think the salvaging system is good. I think ultimately you're going to be able to trade your way up to higher level weapons that you will end up preferring over your early game like you know unique weapons anyway and eventually you're going to find ways of getting those unique weapons back Uh, and as somebody who is trying to grind through to get a bunch of unique armors right now i sympathize but ultimately whatever burning robe i'm going to get later is going to be much better than the burning robe i started off with and then I can trade out my enchantment points one for the other. So you will get another Firebrand. Don't worry, it'll be back. Um, and and maybe it will be... Uh, I, I got an, an, a, a Diamond Sword on my, my first playthrough, and my like rogue character playthrough, where I was still using all of the equipment it was throwing at me. And I couldn't bring myself to salvage it until I had beaten the game. Uh, even though it was, I think, power level 14, and you're in the 30s by the end when you beat the game, I was just like it's the iconic diamond sword. You know, this is Minecraft. How can I not have a diamond sword in my inventory? But eventually you just, uh, you find something that you like a little bit better and those enchantment points are calling to you. I think the other thing that's nice about
0: finding a different weapon that is a higher power level where you either have to switch or you have to sacrifice an older thing, it also tends to make you rotate whatever artifacts
1: you're using. Yeah, so it encourages you to try different approaches to the game
0: yeah like so i messed around a little bit with the claymore uh i ran like just a portion of creeper crips just for fun just to kind of swing the claymore to be able to talk about it on the show and uh, i immediately realized uh that while it was fun and effective i was constantly like coming close to death and yep. i so i had to r- rotate out my soul collection strategy in my hot bar to that of uh using the feather to jump in and stun enemies and then using a shield um medallion to um take uh, less damage and i can't remember i think i kept the heel i think i did keep the heel but it's one of those things where like you kind of have to adjust you know your your um augments your ability augments and your artifacts to then uh, uh, adjust to the new weapon which led to a completely different style of gameplay uh i've not been up in the face of all the enemies most of the time the glaive has given me that advantage of just being able to do melee from uh, quite a distance and with the um the claymore which is fun by the way Mm -hmm. uh it's a complete like you have to be for it to be effective you have to be right up in their face uh it makes the most sense to be there and so jumping in captain america style with a flip and a and a (laughs) and a stun uh makes a lot of sense uh mm-hmm. so yeah I, I think that there's there's definitely ways to to push through something that i i you know before we move on something i did notice about uh my my attempt to kind of just grind through a dungeon quickly um to try and try and some new things uh i've started to see more of these other enchantments that i've not seen before the ones that take two enchantment points they're like yeah the uh the quote-unquote strong, unquote powerful and powerful yeah. there or critical hit stuff there's there's i didn't realize there was going to be another layer to to the powerful and to the enchantments like that's really cool and you need to be able to get those enchantment points back because correct me if i'm wrong as you progress farther in the game it takes longer to get from level 25 to 26 than it does to get from level one to two right like that's
1: yeah in in my in my experience it scales very similar to how it does in minecraft where like one through 30 is the same amount of experience it takes you to get from 30 to 39 um obviously there are ways of leveling yourself and i've been taking advantage of some of those Uh, a few other people have found various other ways but it's it's difficult to get those enchantment points when you really need them and for me to have a full wardrobe of as many armors as i can manage with maxed out enchantments it's going to be a phenomenal amount of points so i don't know if i'm going to be able to i'm going to have to be very picky about which ones i end up enchanting in the end yeah uh, Yeah, we will. We will see. We will see. Uh, Let's move on to our main discussion for this week, though. And you proposed this one because of the pre-releases being on the horizon or, or, well, very much here and the the update itself being ever closer. Uh, What are we doing to get ready for 1.16
0: and some of this is going to be a little bit of a recap because we've talked about this you know between different updates uh i think though this is unique because of the the nether update not really affecting a whole lot in the overworld in terms of the landscape uh in terms of what spawns in and where and and where to find things so uh the citadel for those that are wondering is a three-year-old server with no intention of resetting anytime soon so um for previous updates we've used the mca selector to trim overworld chunks out of the world Uh, We'll be repeating that process on the Citadel for the Nether update, but obviously we won't be doing the whole of the Nether. We're going to just trim specific chunks. I have a very nice Nether hub (laughs) that I worked very hard on that is not going anywhere. Um, The good news there is that fairly straightforward, we've basically gone in the four cardinal directions, you know, north, south, east, west. Most of the other things in the Nether are just worth just wiping it's not really going to be a big deal uh so that's going to be cool um we may actually also do the same thing for the end just because um outer end islands uh, shulker box uh, uh, and city regeneration for a multiplayer server it's kind of nice to take an opportunity to do that whenever you can yeah Um, not
1: not to mention you'll need more shulker boxes for the additional blocks and stuff that you'll be getting in the nether updates so it seems like a sensible thing to do even if you are uh yeah one of those servers where people don't make too much progress into the new stuff like people are going to want storage for these things yeah shulker box is probably a good idea
0: yeah it's it's that's definitely on my mind too uh given the performance issues that i've seen graphically now this is going to be sort of specific to me but there may be other people out there that are experiencing this as well but even with 115 i'm seriously switch thinking about switching to fabric on the server for for the citadel um, for those of you that don't know, Fabric is a mod or a mod framework that doesn't affect gameplay or mechanics, but helps Minecraft run more efficiently, efficiently and increase performance, uh, reducing lag. Uh, similar to what Optifine attempts to do, although I have to say I've not been finding Optifine working for me lately. Uh, the, as they go through their preview versions, uh, I'm not finding it really all that helpful. Not to mention that they still haven't even released Optifine for 1.15 and 1.16 is obviously coming soon. Um I actually am pretty concerned that if I want to play on 116, that I'll run into the same issues with not being able to play or stream due to the frame stuttering and frame drop issues I've been having with my current PC build. So I don't really think that throwing a new processor at my computer is going to solve it? I don't know. Uh, Right now, what I've done is try to get Minecraft to run as efficiently on Windows as I can, and that solves the problem. I don't know if I'm going to have as many options with 116, so that's why I'm looking so closely at Fabric. Uh, Now, as for in-game prep, uh, this is a little bit more, I guess, general for everyone. Um, I do want to refresh my memory in all of our progress in the nether maybe a fun nether server tour or something like that on stream just kind of walk around and kind of remember oh yeah that's where the portal to the you know giant uh, coral reef is we have to remember not to erase that you know mm-hmm. when I yep. when I trim the chunks that sort of thing. Um, I've also been thinking about doing a bunch of quartz mining uh, in just nearby easy accessible it on the surface kind of areas uh, in the nether seeing as we're going to be trimming those chunks anyway. Uh, it's very similar to grabbing a bunch of shulker boxes before you reset the end right like you just you just end up with more stuff before you regenerate everything Mm -hmm. and um, I'm thinking even though I know we can get quartz blocks from villagers now that uh, with more redstone and stuff I'm going to want to have some quartz for those kind of components as well so that's that's kind of where my head is at initially what about you like what are you doing to prep uh, the survival guide for 116?
1: I'm doing much the same thing because the survival guide is, of course, keeping the same world it always has. Um, and I'm using, like you said, MCA selector to trim chunks from the nether. Um, I don't think I will need to do the end as well, and I'm definitely not touching the overworld at this point, but we will we will see. I'm probably just going to, like you, take notes of where all of the stuff that I built in the nether and where the nether portals are it varies a little bit because i've now started building a few things like piston bolt tracks to take me to and from certain builds on the roof of the nether and i don't want to completely like to, to have like this diagonal line through all of the new generation that's just old nether but then i don't know if i i, I don't think i want to re- erase that piston bolt either so there's going to be a little bit of stuff to contend with there but Uh, The main thing I'm concerned with is making sure I don't end up regenerating terrain around stuff that I've had to clear out, like my nether fortress farm or various other things like that. But the majority of it is just going to be trimming out the stuff that I haven't spent as much time in, which thankfully MCA Selector does a great job of providing filters for that kind of stuff. So if you've spent more than a couple of minutes in an area, it will know and it will be able to filter those things out so you don't delete them. Um at that point i think i'll probably start um trying to blend in some of the new biomes with the existing terrain generation that sticks around Uh, but that's obviously when the uh when the whole thing comes down and you know when the update arrives anyway the server side of things is interesting because i currently only run a patron server for uh, folks who support me on patreon and we are currently using um what are we using paper um we're using paper to host the server which is another thing like fabric like you were saying the the kind of framework that allows a few optimizations um and we've been seeing a couple of performance issues despite that as, as the server ages it just seems to accumulate more and more baggage that's kind of weighing it down um and that may be because players have explored further and are kind of building further out and that kind of thing but i'm hoping that maybe with 116, we we'll see a little bit of an improvement on that side but i think we're probably not going to update the server until paper is available for 116 as well so i don't know quite how long that's going to be which is going to be a shame for folks who support me on patreon and want to try out the new stuff immediately but then it's making sure that the server experience stays stable for everybody um I, I've heard a few folks saying, like, you know, server performance is really good if you use a fabric mod called Lithium, which I think is what the Hermitcraft server uses. There's a, a variety of stuff available out there. But yeah, I, I think mainly it's just making sure that I know what I want to cover in terms of content for the survival guide. It's like I'm making checklists of features I want to try out, how things can be farmed, stuff to visit, uh, stuff to find, uh, how much nether item i going to commit to finding, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and just making sure that my world is backed up and all of the uh, the stuff is is ready to go. I think what I want to do is remodel my storage system next as well because I will find myself wanting to put stuff in existing storage systems that I haven't allocated space for it being future-proof. Or I don't want to tuck away all of the blocks basically at the back of the build in the chests that were least accessible to me because these are the blocks that I want to be spending more time with because they're fresh and new and interesting. So I think redesigning and reorganizing some of my storage rooms or even starting a new one somewhere else might be a, an early task for Nether update prep just because you're going you're gonna to want places to store all of the uh, you know, basalt and blackstone and all of the nylium and um, the stripped, wh- whatever, the, the new woods are, the stems, that, those kind of things. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to playing around with those and getting those in bulk so that I can mess around with them and build and do some stuff with that.
0: I have been watching uh, Cubfan135 on Hermitcraft create his storage system this season uh, with future-proofing in mind. And I don't think I even realized until recently watching Impulse make one uh, and then watching Cubfan make a different one that you can now... There's designs out there for multi-item sorting systems that use a a series of like observers and different things so that you can actually... uh, have chests that have multiple things so you could take all of the different things that spruce you know makes like you were talking about with your your um founders forge builds earlier and have a chest that sorts out all of the spruce stuff and to have that flexibility means that your storage rooms no longer have to be ginormous and you don't have to have one filter that just filters out one object because a lot of what i've experienced with my um block bank on Uh, uh, the Southport build is it's a combination of bulk storage filtering some things that I use quite a lot of and having them go into one chest maybe you know a couple and then having other nearby chests just make sense so for example you know we filter out sand and gravel into their own chests and choker boxes and then everything in those chests nearby are all the different colors of concrete and dyes Mm -hmm. right because we're using that a lot And that all happens next to the concrete maker. So like just kind of making efficient decisions like that. However, there's a lot of things that are just kind of like clogging up my, you know, there's always a couple of junk chests. There's always a couple of chests that are just manual, like glass and stuff like that. And it would be really cool. I don't think I'm going to have room to add it into the block bank with the exception of maybe one place uh, where I could have some of these bulk sorters actually say like, look, here's all the glass. 16 colors in both blocks and panes and have it this one filter pull out all of it and it just means that when i go back to my storage system and i go to the 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 input i can just anything in my inventory i can just dump all of it and it'll all just be taken care of uh also i won't spoil it for people but watching cub fan set up how he put stuff into his storage system is hilarious you need you need you need to go you need to go explore that just for those episodes just to watch him do it because he's obviously having a lot of fun um, definitely yeah but it's, just, it's one of those things where i need to do that research before 116 happens because otherwise i'm going to be just stuck with like so much stuff and doing manual and i think a lot of us have this experience where if you start a manual storage shed it's very hard to then get the motivation to then move away from it because yeah. it's all it's just kind of it's like just having that drawer in your kitchen that it's just it's so much of a mess but it's such a pain to clean but you know where everything is in it so you might as well just leave
1: it the way it is i mean and change, so... changing where you store your main inventory is like moving house it's it really is so yes i i think having some sort of plan for that or you know just you know, ultimately, I think I'm probably just going to suck it up and start a new storage system somewhere else and mm-hmm. have two separate places I go to instead of just the one central one. But yeah, it's it's going to take a lot to move all of that stuff, even with shulker boxes. I think, I think one sensible thing to do before this would to go on some sort of purge of all of the shulker boxes that have just been placed around my world near random projects and collect yeah. up all of those, dump all of the resources that are in them, sort them back into the system I already have, And then I've got a ton of stuff that I can just take into the nether, mine a bunch of stuff, stick it in my pockets and keep going. And as long as, you know, some of the new dangers in the nether don't, you know, run afoul of any additional lava streams in those basalt deltas or too many ghasts spawning in a soul sand valley, I think I'll probably have a better time if I'm on top of it with storage for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and i think too that there might even be a you know building a new storage system in the nether wouldn't be a bad idea either because i mean you you don't have the advantage of using water streams um but if you're collecting nether specific items if you don't even have to bother to go to the overworld to dump them off like that that could be handy too i mean it depends yeah. on where you're building um i still don't know of any convenient way to move items from one dimension to the next i don't think it's server friendly or anything like that um, yeah. The uh, the other thing that I think I'm going to try to do, and I actually, I, I'm i saying this out loud and as a reminder to myself, I need to talk to other server mates around about it. Um, Some people have started popping into the medieval fantasy area on the server and taking a look around and exploring and thinking about where they want to build. No one has gone to the nether yet in that area. And it's a good 10,000 blocks away from our normal nether uh, in the overworld. So I guess that would be like, you know, 2,000, 3,000 blocks away. Yeah. Um, But i'm waiting until until 116 arrives before i build the first nether portal in the new medieval zone mm-hmm. or in any of the other zones the The south port is only it's only like a thousand blocks in the nether away so the, we got there originally via nether tunnel so it's not the really the end of the world um even even if that goes away that nether tunnel is not not gonna be a big deal um so it's one of those things where we don't want the we don't want the existing uh medieval build to just have nether generated it's just it's going to be easier just to wait you know in that in that case so i think sometimes you know rather than tackling with mca selector if people especially specifically listeners that might be new to this kind of thing if you can just be patient you know and not explore any farther in the nether if you haven't already or if you haven't gone at all in your current world just wait you know it could be a really really fun experience to go into 116 nether for the very first time in your world
1: yes definitely if you're just starting a new world especially that's going to be it's going to be a very very different experience who knows what biome you're going to spawn in when you make that first Nether portal, it's going to be exciting stuff. Folks, I think that's where we're going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. Especially proud now that we are able to reopen uh, having the show recorded live in discord for our patrons to listen in if you want to be one of those patrons you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and helps us keep up with those milestone goals we are currently at 182 patrons which is up from last week there is always room for more and special thanks go out to our content engineers as always cameron Sigelski, greener canuck jd williamson yakov nastin and yitz thank you for your support on this episode
0: 182 patrons. I'm pretty sure that's a record and I'm blown away. I can't thank you guys enough. We can't thank you guys enough. I, it's pretty spectacular feeling when you're creating a podcast and people are showing up and supporting it. It's, uh, it's something that we really appreciate and certainly never take for granted. And uh, just thank you. Uh, to all of you. It's it's super, super cool. Spreading the word, sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at the Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast with your friends. Just tell people about it. Tell people you enjoyed the conversation and they might enjoy it as well. You can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. We are still getting some other email to the other address. So I'm going to say it again spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Subscribe for free on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify and YouTube. And hey, while you're out there on the internet, leave a star rating and review on the Apple podcast app. Even if you don't use that app as your main podcast platform, a quick rating really helps us stand out when people are searching for new podcasts because many podcast players ping the iTunes store and the Apple podcast app when they're looking for new content. The RSS feed is linked on the spunchunks.com, And the patreon only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast.
1: My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixariffs. I do most of my work on YouTube and Twitch, and this month all of my revenue, 100% of my revenue across all platforms is going to help various charities. It is Pride Month, there is a lot going on in the US with black folks that I am trying to pledge my support to various organisations, and... I'm splitting my revenue four ways between the Loveland Foundation, UK Black Pride, Dream Defenders, and the Okra Project. I have more information about that on my Twitter, which is at Pixlriffs. Very easy to find. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. And I'm at Pixlriffs on Instagram as well. Joel, where can people find you online?
0: Everything I'm doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me, then just drop me a line through the store. My commissions are pretty backed up through the end of June and into July, but hey, it never hurts to get in line or at least reach out and uh, talk to me about a project. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment, which uh, you can find at thecitadelcafe.com. This past week, we talked about Spider-Man Far From Home and the full seasons of Shira princesses of power that megan was very very happy about so uh, lots of great recommendations over there you can follow me at joel duggan on all social media and i will point you towards twitch.tv slash joel duggan where maybe hopefully kind of sorta i will beat dungeons this week and i am
1: obviously still building in the city of southport thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite and getting bigger all the time